From Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds, the news podcast. On this week's episode, I talk with Tracy Batiste. She is a New York Times bestselling author. She's written books like the Jumby series and Minecraft The Crash, which is a New York Times bestselling book. She's also written nonfiction and books for adults. Also, the News Nerds Geographical Location Challenge. Some big developments there. Stay with us. You're listening to News Nerds, and I'm Ezra Graham. Hey, listeners. This week's book note pick is the series The Jumbies by Tracy Batiste, and she will be joining me. Later on in this show, I'm so excited for her to talk to us about the Jumbie series and her New York Times best-selling book, Minecraft The Crash, as well as some other work of hers. So you'll learn more about the Jumbies, what they are, and the story in just a minute. I want to just fill you in real quick. A Jumbie is kind of a bean who will eat you, and that's what Tracy Batiste says on her website, and they will eat you, but there are some defenses that you can use against these Jumbies, and all throughout the Jumbies series, Jumbies appear throughout the book, and actually the main character is half Jumbie. You can hear more about the Jumbies by reading the Jumbies book, listening to the rest of this episode, or going online to Tracy Batiste. She has her own website with a handbook of how to protect yourself from a jumbie. Cowpies! In just a second, we're going to go to my interview with Tracy Batiste, but first, the latest news, and then a message from me. And here is the latest news. Today, as Labor Day is fast approaching, Dr. Anthony Fauci is asking Americans to continue COVID-19 mitigation efforts. On MSNBC yesterday, Fauci said, quote, The issue that we're facing right now is we're entering in a day or two right now into the Labor Day weekend. And we know from prior experience that when you get into holiday weekends, the 4th of July Memorial Day, there's a tendency of people to be careless somewhat with regard to the public health measures that we keep recommending over and over again. So I really want to use this opportunity almost to have a plea to the people in this country to realize that we really still need to get our arms around this and to suppress these types of surges that we've seen. We can do it, unquote. And that is the latest news. nerds listeners thank you for all your listening and i want to tell you that the latest episode of cow pies the bloops and blunders of brown cow studios is now up on anchor.fm slash news nerds as well as the news nerds website spotify and wherever else you get the news nerds podcast also 
please send in your mail. We love getting mail from you. You can send an email to newsnerdshost at gmail.com. Or go to the website and click contact us. And just contact us through that. Or, even better, you can enter a voice message. And it could be on the next episode of News Nerds. And without a further ado, let us now get to my interview with Tracy Batiste. Tracy Batiste is a children's book author, and she's written um, the Jumbies series and Minecraft, The Crash, and she's also written nonfiction books for uh, children, and she joins us now. Welcome. Hi, Ezra. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me what you do to start off with? Sure. So I mostly write books for children. I also sometimes write stories for adults. I also teach. I teach at Leslie University in their little residency program, and I do some editorial work. That means that when people have manuscripts, they have stories that they might need a little bit of help with, I will read those stories and give them critical notes. So when you were a kid, did you want to be a writer or uh, did you um, decide that you wanted to be a writer later on in life? I actually decided that I wanted to be a writer when I was about three years old. And I had this huge book of Grimm's fairy tales that my mom gave me and I wanted to have my name on the cover of a book because I really loved books and I thought that would be a fun thing to do. But of course, as I grew up, I changed the thing that I wanted to do a lot. So I wanted, at some point, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And at some point, I wanted to be a ballerina. And so I dance a lot. You can actually see, uh, well, you won't be able to see, but Ezra is seeing in my office right now that I have some point shoes behind me in my, in my, um, on my bookshelf. And, uh, and then I actually became a, a school teacher. So I taught pre-K, K, I taught second grade, I taught fifth and sixth grade for a number of years. And then I worked in educational publishing. So those textbooks that you guys do, I was an editor for, for those textbooks before I moved on to writing full time. So you lived in Trinidad until you were 15. Can you tell me about your life in Trinidad? Yeah, growing up in Trinidad was great. It's the southernmost island in the Caribbean, and it's the, the island is a twin island nation. It's Trinidad and Tobago. Tobago is the smaller sister island. And, you know, we went to the beach every weekend. We you know, spent a lot of time driving around the country with our cousins, uh, it was uh, like a huge extended family. We were outside all the time, climbing trees, running around in the dirt. I really, really enjoyed it. Even though I grew up mostly in the city in San Fernando, which is the Southern capital in Trinidad, it's still kind of rural there. There's you know, chickens wake you up in the morning, you know, like all the neighbors have chickens that so you, 
you hear the, the chickens calling to each other like throughout the neighborhood um, in the morning. And I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy my life growing up in Trinidad. And so I send my kids back as often as I can so that they can experience some of that themselves. So you've written three Jumbies books. Um, what made you write the first Jumbie book that started this three book Jumbie series? The first book was because my kids didn't know anything about Jumbies. So they grew up here in the United States and they didn't have the kind of experience that I had in Trinidad growing up where people kind of talked about Jumbies like they could literally be anybody and could be anywhere. And because they didn't have that experience, they didn't know really what the folklore was. And so I decided that I would write a story to introduce Jumbies to my kids. And so that was the reason I started writing the first one. And honestly, it was really only supposed to be one book. I didn't really think anybody would be that interested in it. I thought mostly people from Trinidad would be interested and uh, I, I did not expect it to have the kind of wide readership that it eventually did. So it was a surprise to me and it was a surprise to my publishers when the book became as popular as it did. And that's when we started adding more books to the series. Yeah, I'm rereading it right now. It's great. Um, uh, thanks. Yeah, on the website, you, uh, on your website, you said that you thought your grandma's um, neighbor was a Jumbie. So explain about Jumbies, um, the different kinds of Jumbies that you grew up with, and how can you defend yourself from them? Okay, well, this is quite a long discussion, um, because there are a lot of different types of Jumbies, and all of them have different physical characteristics, and all of them have different things that you can do to defend yourself against them. That is, if you can defend yourself against them, because some of them there's nothing you can do really. And so I would say to go on my website, there is a Jumbies field guide on the website that will tell you about that. But my grandmother's neighbor, Miss Evelyn, I was certain she was a Sukuya. And a Sukuya is a type of Jumbie that is like a vampire. So they will come in through the tiny cracks in the door or in the window or in the floorboards or wherever squeeze their way in and then they do what vampires do they suck your blood so I would wake up in the morning whenever I stayed over at my grandmother's house and I would have like these little bites all over my skin and I would be sure that it was Miss Evelyn who came um, and she was a Sukuya and she sucked my blood my brother of course said it was just mosquitoes but I mean what does he know <laughs> um, the way that you prevent yourself from being uh, injured by a sukuya in particular, is you leave a huge amount of rice, like you pour out a big bag of rice in front of your front door, because a sukuya is like a lot of very typical vampires. They are obsessed with counting. You probably, and your, your listeners probably know a vampire called Count on Count from Sesame Street, and he's obsessed with counting, right? And so he is a very typical vampire where he cannot help himself but count, and Sukuya are very much like that. So if you have a huge bag of rice in front of your front door, the Sukuya will stop and she will count every grain. And if you put a huge amount out there, it'll take her all night. And of course, you know, when the sun comes up, 
uh, vampires really can't be out in their regular form at night, so the Sukriya will go back home um, once the sun comes up, and that's how you protect yourself. Can you tell me about your characters in the Jumbie series, and specifically Corinne, um, because she is a very uh, brave girl? Yeah, Corinne is not like me at all. So a lot of people think that I'm writing myself and I write Corinne, and I am not. Uh, I think when I was thinking about Corinne, I was really thinking about my mom. My mom is somebody who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody. You know, she, like, doesn't back down, and she's very independent. And that's how Corinne is in the book. I really am more like Drew, uh, Corinne's best friend in the story. She is a little bit more shy. She understands what's right and what's wrong, and she can summon up the courage to go help her friends. But, you know, it, it takes a little while for her to summon up that courage. So I, I'm much more like Drew. Corinne is very uh, strong-willed, and she can take charge of any and everything. She's in charge of the house. She's in charge of her dad, even when he's at home and he's not on the water fishing. Uh, she takes care of them. She takes care of herself. She knows who she is. She's super confident. Uh, she was a really fun character to write. Before we go into your Minecraft book, I want to ask you, how did you come up with the idea for the second and third book? With the third one, it was happening while there were hurricanes, and I didn't, my editor asked me for a third book. We, you, you know, we had done the first one, we had done the second one, the second one hadn't come out yet, it was maybe about a month away from the second one coming out. And she said, you know, I, I think we should do a third one. And I said, well, you know, I put all of my ideas into the second one. I, I didn't leave anything for a possible sequel. When I wrote the first one, I thought maybe there might be a sequel. And so I left a few things out. But with the second one, I put everything in, not leaving any room. So I didn't know what I could possibly do for the third one. but we were watching the news because there were a lot of hurricanes that year and there was a news report. We were watching the weather channel and they put up like one of those fact things on, on the screen and it said Huracan is the Carib god of storms. And in the Caribbean, the Carib people are the, are the indigenous people who lived in the Caribbean. And I grew up with people who were of Carib descent, and I grew up learning about people who were the Caribs when growing up, they were in my textbooks. So I did not remember that in particular, but I, I went and I looked it up, and it, it was in one of my old textbooks, and I, I kept one of the old ones. And there it was, and I thought, okay, great. So this is what I'm gonna go with for, for the third book. I'm going to bring in this carib god and that's where the whole idea for the third book came from literally from the weather channel so what is your writing process how do you get your ideas how do you come up with your characters and then how do you put it into a book well you just heard one of the ways that i come up with an idea for a book ideas really come from any and everywhere ideas are kind of sticky they you have one idea and it seems interesting and then you might see something or hear something 
that feels like it goes with that original idea and they glom together. And then you see something else and you, or hear something else and it gloms onto those first two. And then the ideas sort of grow bigger and bigger and not always symmetrically, right? It's sort of like a big blobby thing that's sort of like rolling around in your head and it doesn't really have a shape or a form. But eventually, all of those teeny tiny ideas together start making you think about a character or a place or a thing that might happen. And that's where the idea for a larger story might start. So once I get to that place where I have a bunch of tiny ideas that have now stuck together, that's when I start thinking about, oh, is this a story? Could this be an interesting story? And then I start writing down like little notes someplace. So I don't start writing right away. I will put down little notes here and there and eventually I might have something that seems like, yeah, I think I wanna try to write this story. And often it's not like I know the beginning of the story or the end of the story. It's often that I have an idea of things that happen to the character somewhere in the story. And so I will start with whatever idea I have and I will write that down. And then um, after I've written enough of those down, then I can say, okay, so this is the beginning of the story and this is the end of the story and then let's go. And then I start writing, I, I start rewriting from the beginning. So a lot of my writing happens in my head to start and then it moves to notebooks. And then from there, once I have a bigger idea of what the story could be, that's when I move to the computer and I start writing the whole thing. Will there ever be a Jumbies movie? I would love for there to be a Jumbies movie, but I do not know if there will be one. There has been interest, but I don't know if that will happen or not. So you've also written the, a book called Minecraft The Crash. So what made you decide to transition from Jumbies to Minecraft? Well, I have a lot of really wide-ranging ideas. So I don't just write fiction. I also write nonfiction. So I'm interested in a lot of different kinds of things. So moving from one type of story to another is not really that unusual for me. But with Minecraft in particular, the people from Mojang actually asked me directly to write a Minecraft story. They really liked the Jumbie series and they wanted an adventure story set in the Minecraft world. So they called and asked me if I would be interested in it. And I at first said no, because I didn't really know anything about playing Minecraft. My kids and my husband play Minecraft but I never did. Uh, uh, video games make me nauseated, so I don't play video games. So it was not a game that I knew well enough that I thought I could do it. And that night at dinner, we were all sitting around the table and I mentioned that Mojang called and said, and asked me if I would do a Minecraft story and I said no. And my son, who was 10 at the time, oh my gosh, his jaw dropped. He was he was so upset. He's like, no, you have to call them back. You have to tell them, yes, I will help you. Don't worry about it. I will explain everything. I will show you everything. I'll read all your notes and pages. I will help you. And so I did uh, tell them the next day that I would do it. And my son, true to his word, 
He was really helpful to me as I was plotting the book. And when I started actually writing the story, he would come home from school every day and read two chapters. So I, I had a, it was a kind of a tight schedule, so I would write two chapters a day. So he would come home from school and I would set out the two chapters that I'd written that day on the dining table with his snack. And he would sit there and eat his snack and read my two chapters and give me notes. And that's how we got through the whole thing. So he got credit on the book as a consultant because I, I certainly could not have done it without him. Wow. So um, now we are in a worldwide pandemic. So has the COVID-19 pandemic inspired you or your writing? Not really. <laughs> it has not been inspirational. I did do recently a a review of another writer, her name is Zadie Smith, who wrote a book of essays about the pandemic. It's called Intimations, and it's for adults. And the Washington Post asked me to do a review. And that really was the only writing that I did that was specific to the pandemic, because I wrote a review of the book. Obviously, I was talking about the book, but I was also talking about my own reactions to the pandemic. So that's the only thing I've done. For the most part, I think the pandemic has been very disruptive to my normal process because everyone has been home. My husband has been working from home. Both of my children have been home in school. And I am used to having the house completely to myself. Well, me and the dog. But I'm, I'm kind of used to being alone to be able to work and there's a different kind of energy in the house when everyone's in the house. And it's been a little bit disruptive to my normal process. So I have been able to work, but definitely not as much as I was working pre-pandemic. And as a matter of fact, in the last maybe two months or so, I have almost stopped writing entirely because the pandemic itself as well as the social upheaval that's been going on around the country has been really quite stressful. And so I really kind of had to shut down for a little while. So I, I really only just maybe a couple of weeks ago started thinking about a new story. Are you writing anything at the moment or thinking about any new ideas that could be put into books? Yeah, so I just really started thinking about a new story. It's actually not that new. It's an idea that I had several years ago. And it's about a boy who's genetically engineered. And I thought, when I started writing it, I had a very different idea for how this particular story could work. It was working a little bit more as a fairy tale in the original version that I started maybe about four years ago. But in the version that I'm doing now or that I'm thinking about now, it's much more scientific. And it's because I also happen to really, really love science. I like physics in particular, and I quite enjoy in particular quantum physics. And so I started thinking about injecting a story with a lot more uh, scientific base rather than a fairy tale base. So that's what I'm thinking about now. 
And the truth is, I don't know if this will become a story that is viable. I don't know if it will work out to be a good story. Uh, I might also completely change it. That happens too sometimes when I'm right at the beginning of a story, I can't really know what it'll be. So it may not turn out to be exactly what I think it is right now. So we'll see. I just have, you know, I have my, my notebook and I'm writing in it uh, almost every day. Maybe just a few lines or maybe a page or two. But, you know, we'll see. It's, uh, it's kind of fun to start working on something brand new and something that is completely different than anything I've done before. Thank you so much, Tracy Batiste has written The Jumbies and two other books in the series, as well as Minecraft, The Crash, nonfiction books, and other books for adults. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Ezra. Thanks for having me. It is now time for Wildlife Journal. This is where we talk about all the wildlife news and animal news that has been happening around the world. So I have a great story about the wolverines of Mount Rainier National Park for you today. The wolverines of Mount Rainier National Park are back once again. A nursing mother with two kids was spotted by camera station in Mount Rainier. And since over a 100 years ago, wolverines have not made their homes in Mount Rainier National Park. The wildlife management inside of the park takes this new sighting as good news for the ecosystem. Chip Jenkins says, quote, it's really, really exciting. Chip is the Mount Rainier National Park superintendent and further comments, quote, it tells us something about the condition of the park that when we have such large ranging carnivores present on the landscape, that we are doing a good job managing our wilderness, unquote. The camera stations set up around the Washington Park were set up by the Cascades Carnivore Project, also known as the CCP, bringing awareness to carnivores like wolverines and lynx is one of the aims of the CCP. Because of the CCP's cameras, which were originally set up in the park two years ago in 2018, Joni, the mother wolverine, and her kits were spotted in Mount Rainier National Park. Wolverines are ferocious animals that are known to stand up to animals bigger than themselves to defend their kills. The weasel family's biggest member is the wolverine. The wolverine has small ears, a short snout, and big paws that allow them to stay aloft in the snow. Because a wolverine will eat almost anything, their scientific name is the gulugulo, Latin for the glutton. Even though they eat almost anything, their population, the population of wolver wolverines in the United States is a total of between 300 and 1,000 in the lower United 48 states. And that's it for Wildlife Journal for this week's episode of News Nerds.
for By the Numbers, where we look at the data from around the world about how many COVID cases and deaths there are currently. There are currently about um, 6 million U.S. confirmed cases of the COVID-19. There are about 183,000 U.S. deaths. And globally, there are about 845,000 deaths because of COVID-19. This is all according to Johns Hopkins University, and this is their COVID-19 dashboard by the Center for Systems Science and Engineering at Johns Hopkins University. And that's it for By the Numbers. It's time for the geographical location challenge. With first place, we have Virginia. Virginia has been slowly creeping up to first place. Virginia has 7% of all New Zealand listeners. Behind Virginia, we have two runners up, and one of these, Ohio, has been in first place. So the two runners up are Ohio and California. They are both former first place holders, I believe. And we also have Two runners-up for third place, Connecticut and New Mexico. They were both fairly high in the geographical location challenge. Behind these states, we have Florida, uh, District of Columbia, and even more. I'm not going to name all of those right now. And that ends the geographical location challenge. That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. Thank you, Tracy, for being on this week's episode. You can go to our website, and I have a link. Um, every subscriber has a link to our website, or, and if you don't, it's newsnerdshost.weeksite.com slash podcast. And you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds. We'll be back next week with another episode of News Nerds. I'm Ezra Graham, and this ends this week's episode of News Nerds, the news podcast.